This podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hell on Heels podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Welcome back. Hi. Hello. How's it going? Well, you want to hear something strange? Is we... it about your car or just our platonic soulmateness? The actually that 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 one, the platonic soulmate list. Uh, it's okay. like I was just gonna say, like we always say, like okay, let's meet at seven and we'll start recording, and then like half an hour, forty minutes later, we actually start recording. It's seven oh seven. I know we're doing really well right now, and that was with me being four minutes late and me being early. Who right. are we? Yeah, what's wrong with you? You're never early. I'm not real. Sh- oh, yes, I do. It's um this new baby uh slash i don't know it's like a body slash bubble bath slash shampoo body wash bubble bath shampoo for babies does it have lavender in it it's got melatonin in it oh even better it has melatonin and essential oils and i was like bet and let me tell you best purchase the next person that has a baby i'm buying them that shampoo and i'm just going to be like you're welcome you can thank me later Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I googled it. Apparently, melatonin can be like absorbed through the skin because I was mm-hmm. shook. I was like, "Oh, this is real." Okay. So what I'm hearing is now that you drug Annie up before bed, <laughs> it's wonderful. You got a lot of free time. I appreciate you waiting for me to drink tea <laughs> to make that joke. Uh, but yeah, actually, to make that factual statement, yeah, <laughs> I'm here for you. Did I time it so that you were drinking tea? Maybe. (laughs) Uh, But also on that note, Amanda and I, I don't know how we always prove this to one another, but we are true platonic soulmates. We were supposed to record this episode, what, Thursday? It's Sunday now. Yes. Wednesday. Uh, Thursday. Because you got off early on Thursdays. It was Thursday because I don't get off. I didn't get off early on Thursday. Yeah. I had to switch my schedule. (laughs) So what happens is I'm going about my day just fine. Amanda texts me and goes, hey, by the way, I don't think I can record tonight. And I respond by going, oh, I forgot we were supposed to do that tonight. And again, I think I text you at like a quarter after six and we record at seven. So it was even better that <laughs> she forgot. Yeah. So it just it works out well, because when I forget something, she remembers and same vice versa. Mm hmm. Uh, also we somehow always figure out like I text Amanda today and said I have a little bit of a longer story and she responds and goes that's great mine's shorter we do this all the time it just works I don't know what it is but it's the platonic soulmate thing Mm -hmm. it has to be yes so basically whenever you hear me and Amanda talk about being platonic soulmates it's because it's been proven to us time and time again that we are yeah like this time or at this point we would just be slapping mother nature in the face to be like we're just total opposites. We right. don't mesh. It would be insulting. Right, right, right. It's fine. It's great. Mother Nature knew. She was like, you guys don't need to even know each other in person. Just videos fine. Yeah. Here's this is the how 21st the 21st century. Works. Exactly. That's what we learned. Anything else that you need to add? <laughs> yeah, so I texted you the other day. I'm sorry, I'm adjusting my light. I texted you the other day, so my car's in the shop again. Again. Yeah, that's the rumor I heard. I heard that's on Thursday. That's why we didn't record. Mm-hmm. Yep, because I texted you and I was like, hey, by the way, I'm at the shop and uh, can't leave until James gets here. Luckily, he was off work. But oh. I I got my car out of the shop like 
three weeks ago now, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a hot minute. It was about two, two and a half weeks, something like that. And it still felt weird, you know, like you drive your car every day. So you know when one little thing is wrong, or at least I do. Maybe that's anxiety. I don't know. Well, you drive your car every day. There are weeks where I don't leave the house and it's wonderful. Fair point. Okay, I am yeah. also, I'm also a passenger princess, so... Uh, I don't like hearing James complain about how bad I am at driving, which is over-exaggerations, by the way. I'm not the best, but I'm not... He doesn't have to hit the imaginary brake every time I take a turn, okay? I refused to drive with Cody early on in our relationship when he thought it was funny to, like, yell, watch out, and scare the shit out of me when there was nothing there. So I just stopped driving with him. Is he trying to die? I guess so. I don't know. That's not funny at all. No. So early on, I became the passenger princess. And ever since then, I've been just emotionally scarred. I can't drive with him. There was one time we had this great plan because I live eight hours away from home in Alabama. So we we had this thought that we would take turns driving. We didn't um, because we got like four and a half hours in, I believe, when James was finally like, I'm tired. Do you want to switch? I'm like, yeah, totally. I even like. At this point of the drive, I could drive home without GPS. I knew exactly where I was. Mm-hmm. But so he pulls over, we switch. And when I was trying to get back on the interstate, I first off missed my turn, which wasn't completely my fault because they were doing construction and it was weird. But I then accidentally called his one of his friends, whose name I have never seen before, by the way. So that would be even awkward. If it was someone I know, I could just be like, oh my God, I hit the wrong button on the steering wheel. My bad. I didn't know who this person was. So then I started freaking out because it's dark. It's nighttime. I don't know where the hang up button is. I don't even know how I just called this person. And (laughs) that made James a little upset because I panicked. Uh, So he had me pull over again and then he drove the rest of the way home. That feels like a James problem. Maybe instead of freaking out, he should have just said the hang up button's right here. Turn on GPS until you get to somewhere that's not under construction. Uh, That's, yeah. I thought so too, but. I don't know. Anxiety is a hell of a thing. So when I say freak out, I mean, I was like on the verge of hyperventilating. But also, yeah, that's it. I got nothing else. Oh, okay. (laughs) Listen, I will drive with Cody now because he doesn't scream as much. Correction, he doesn't scream anymore because he learned his lesson about (laughs) that. But I still, normally he drives. But he also gets motion sickness. So him driving helps with that Uh, as well. Or he has gotten motion sickness in the past. The only time I got motion sickness was in Indiana. This literally never happened anywhere else. I don't know what that... I don't know. The only time I've ever been motion sick is when my sister was driving. The Okay. I've never been motion sick until then. And I was just like, okay. Older sister. Yours feels a little easier to debunk than mine. Yeah. I feel like it could be your sister more than it could be Indiana. <laughs> the <Yes>. whole state. <laughs> The whole state of Indiana, you're just going to get motion sick driving through it. Yeah, I'll just, I guess I'll have to go around. It's either. (laughs) Either that or James is going to have to drive. Illinois is on one side. I don't know what the hell's on the other side of Indiana. Iowa? No, that doesn't seem right. No, that's like way over there, right? With the potatoes. That's Idaho. Damn. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Iowa's the, isn't that the face? That's how I remember it. Oh, the elf face. I think it is because isn't Michigan the hat? I think so. We're well, so home. good at geography. <laughs> Listen, we're doing okay. Indiana, Ohio. I'm sorry. I was thinking other side of Illinois. Wait, were we talking Indiana or Illinois? Indiana. Okay. I was thinking Illinois, and that's the one that touches Iowa. Oh, that's on the left then. Yeah. So that's on the left. Indiana, 
and then Ohio. And a lake, I believe. The a Michigan. couple of lakes. Yeah. Okay, so we vaguely know. Yeah. We're just getting yeah. a little bit mixed around. It's okay. It's okay, yeah. We're fine. We're graduated. We don't need this crap. Listen, I've got GPS, okay? I don't need anything else in my life. I also have GPS, as long as I don't accidentally call somebody while I'm trying to get to it. I don't have that issue because my my car's not that fancy. Well, I don't have a car right now, so oh, okay. me neither. <laughs> Your car's not that fancy either. <laughs> <laughs> but they did at least, um, basically the light came on when I was going home. So I picked up Annie, uh, did not even turn my car off, which was also make me, that also made me anxious. But when I picked her up from daycare, I just ran in and grabbed her. I was like, Hey, bye. Gotta go. Sorry. And then just took off to the Buick dealership and I got there and I was like, the lights on. And he's like, that's your gas light. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. I was afraid to turn the car off. <laughs> Cause that's what happened last time. Once I took my car to the dealership, they couldn't get the check engine light to come back on. But they got their code, and he was like, cool, we'll order the part, and I'll call you. And I'm like, thank God. Oh, okay. So do you know how long until you'll have your car back? Absolutely no, no idea. Cool. I know I need a turbocharger, which is at a make cargo room, I guess. Um, and they're not cheap, so probably at the very least a couple days, because it's not a part that they just have laying on hand. I thought the turbocharger they were supposed to replace last time. They did, but they couldn't get the check engine light to come on. Like, it turned off. It just went away the day I took it to the dealership, which is just, that's bull, first of all. Um, but they tried to drive it. They kept it for, like, at least three or four days, just try, just driving it around, getting the light to come back on. It never came back on. So once I took it to them and I was like, there, light, do the scanning thing. They got their code, and he was like, okay, cool. You can leave it here. And you're like, okay, sweet. But now what? James, come rescue me. And take me to Burger King. Done. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you finally figured out, or at least they finally got a code for your car. Thank God. Yeah. Um, well, I have something to tell you, or maybe okay. to do with you. I didn't okay. open it. Huh. Okay, first of all, I'm a little upset because I didn't look at the dimensions. But other than that, go. So Amanda sent me a birthday gift. And by the way, it says Bruce Moffat on it. <laughs> so that is Amanda's pet name for me, I guess. <laughs> so. It is real wrapped up in here. Holy cow. Okay. Well, good. It better not be broken. Well, you better hope not because Cody threw it on the floor the other day. Is it because I spelled his name wrong? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> he didn't know what it was and I had to yell at him and be like, don't throw shit on the floor when you don't know what it is. God, what the hell type of indestructible packaging is this? Um, I don't know, but it's probably not like economically... It's it's real package. I'm going to take back economically and <laughs> say, um, what's that planet thing? What's that word? Planet thing? Like it's not very earth friendly. I don't, I don't know what word you're looking for. I have no idea. This is a gnome, isn't it? It could be. I feel like he belongs in my life. It's, it's not a gnome. It is Bigfoot with two gnomes. Three gnomes. <laughs> Four gnomes. Oh my god, there's four <laughs> gnomes with Bigfoot here. And he will be on that's garbage. So uh, listeners, I am holding a no or a little statue of Bigfoot with four gnomes on him. One of them is on his back hanging upside down from his neck, like his legs are holding on to his neck. This is the greatest thing I have ever had in my <laughs> entire life. Cody's gonna hate it. Oh, yes, that makes it even better. 
anything gnome related cody hates but amanda you know how much i love gnomes yeah i don't get it but i know <laughs> i love gnomes which i'm There's a little so upset because when you showed me the package i did look go back and look at the dimensions i thought it was going to be like a yard size gnome oh no he's going to go on my desk he can't go in my yard he's got to be with me all the time that's what James said when I asked him how big four inches was. And he's like, think of a dollar bill and then take some off. And I'm like, how do you just remember that a dollar bill is six inches long? I, I, your husband's weird. I don't know. Oh, maybe it's a mechanic thing. I'm going to stick with your husband's weird. <laughs> um, yes. So that's exciting. I'm super, he's super cute. Look at him. I love him I'll, so much. I'll post pictures if I remember. So. We're just going to put him down right there. It was perfect because uh, it was everything you loved. So I'm like, done. Sasquatch, gnomes, like what could be better? Nothing. That's the answer. The fact that Cody won't like it. Oh, yeah. That's even, that's yep. the best part of the whole thing, right? It is to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a gift for the both of us. I guess I should be nice. I did make Cody <laughs> go to uh, the store today to get me specifically a heating pad. I feel so. like you just have those around your house. I did not have one so i had to get a new one so i sent cody because i was miserable ah okay so but that i guess that leads me into a little ivf update if you want one i do i was waiting on one uh there's not really a lot they just told me i have to go back tomorrow morning which by the way i was in today and yes today is a sunday but they 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 have to i see that look on your face and people really don't quite get it but because they can't control like the hormones that your body naturally produces and all of that oh, they have to they have to open up times on the weekends. Okay. That so. once you said hormones, I was like, done. That makes sense. Yeah. Because that can I know that can like seriously mess someone up. Yeah. So, anyways, point is is my ovaries are huge. Is that good? In the sense of the fact that they're creating follicles which can hold eggs, yes. Is it good for me? No, because it hurts like a freaking bitch. It hurts. It sounds like one of the worst pickup lines. Like you're walking past a construction site and this guy's like, damn girl, you got some big ovaries. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, they could probably tell. <laughs> but then I get upset because, so I told you I don't have the left fallopian tube, but I have mm -hmm. the right one. The right side, the follicles are smaller than the ones on the left side. And there's also more on the left side. And I'm like, how useless are you left ovary that you can't even figure out that I need these on the right side. Has it just been letting, has that ovary been letting the other ovary do all the work? I guess so. I don't know. And that's why they had to take it out. Cause it's like, you have overexerted yourself. I have no clue, but the right ovary is like, I'm just going at my own pace. And I'm like, I hate you all. So I had to do shots again tonight, which we're up to three a night. How is that going? It sucks. Cody loves every minute of it, whether he'll admit it or not. Cody has some, Gosh, I'm gonna have to send a bigger loan. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> Cody has to deal with me being an absolute bitch, and it's fine. I I blame the shots. I was so gonna I, say, yeah, it's not your fault. Yeah, I but he gets his sense of justice three times <laughs> a day right now. Well, one time a day, but three different pokes. So I, I feel like I would do better with three different pokes three different times a day, or one poke three times a day. Yeah, but I can get the three over with at one time pretty quickly, and then I don't have to worry about it for the rest of the day. 
I guess you're right. Yeah. Then I don't have to like anxiously think about, oh, the next time I have to get poaches in four hours or whatever it may be. I can just get it done and move on. And I have become a pro. I consider myself a pro at mixing all the meds now. (laughs) I'm real quick. I'm like, I know what I need to do. It's like when we were little. I don't know if everybody did this, but when I was little, I would like pretend I was a witch in the bathtub and play, you know, make potions with all the shampoos and soaps and conditioners. And I don't remember doing that. Oh, but maybe that's really good at it. I'd probably be like the best witch ever. (laughs) Listen, I thought you were going a different direction. I was expecting you to be like, it's a cootie shot, the circle, circle, dot, dot. Now you have your cootie shot thing. Oh, you just unlocked a whole new piece <laughs> of my childhood that I had forgotten about. I'm here to help with that. So I was a witch, and then I was also a doctor, a cootie connoisseur. Oh, witchy cootie connoisseur. Yes. That's, that's the only update I have. I have to go back tomorrow morning and then. They'll probe me again. So before we get into it, okay, I saw that look. So before we get into it, just as a reminder for our listeners, we do post our pictures on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Helen Heels Podcast, Facebook, also Helen Heels Podcast. You can also find us on Linktree, which is going to have all the links to all the things. Helen Heels Podcast. Twitter is the only one that's different. It's Helen Heels Pod because they they cut me off. Um, rude, but yeah, whatever. Jerks. We also have our Discord up and going. The link for that is on all the platforms, so you can access us through there. If you want to join the Discord, our Patreon is up and going, so if you want to see any specials, anything like that. And from our last episode, I'm working on getting an extended episode up for our Patreons, so you guys can hear Cody's bullshit. <laughs> um, anyways, point is, I'm working on that, and I'm hoping to have that released uh, here shortly. But... I don't think I have anything else. Do you have anything else you want to add? I I just, I'm really intrigued by this story because I looked at the picture and the title of the third one's really, (laughs) yeah. Um, I might've let some personal feelings get put in the title of that third one. Perfect. So, um, okay. I don't know if you should, do you remember the Kelly Ann Bates case that I covered, uh, involved eyeballs? What are you doing? Bryce, what are you doing? Um, I might have found this case that I'm covering today from the same source that I found the case for Kellyanne Bates. I thought we liked each other. <laughs> I just, I I chose one and then I ran with it and here we are and it's a horrible, terrible, awful story. You know, you could just jog every now and then. You don't have to sprint straight to hell. You, I, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> and again, guys, the laughter that we have from this is uncomfortable laughter. I'm so uncomfortable already. So I know the story and you don't, I'm so uncomfortable and I have to tell you about it. (sighs) So have you ever heard of the case of Junko Fruta? No. Okay. All right. Well, you're about to hear about it. Junko Fruta was born on January 18th, 1971 in Misato, uh, which is a city in Japan. And a lot of this is Japanese, so I have no clue if I'm saying anything correctly. I'm going with Junko for her name because I made James tell me his opinion. And he said, in anime, I have never heard them say a J with an H sound. So that's his knowledge. So I'm like, all right, cool. Sounds like my husband. Yeah. So (laughs) Junko, and that's also where a lot of, like, that's how a lot of other video sources said it as well as Junko. (laughs) 
from what I could see, um, Sato is a pretty decent size city. As of 2021, it had a population of a 142,000 people. Okay, so it's a, it's a city. Yeah, I wouldn't call it small by any means, right? Yeah. Uh, Junko, she was actually a middle child. She had an older brother and a younger brother. Her early life was pretty normal. I couldn't find anything to suggest anything. Like, she had a great upbringing. Um, she would go on to attend Yashi, Yashio Minami High School. And here, she was actually really well-liked by her classmates. She had great grades. She was infrequently tardy. Like, she was attendance on the dot there. And overall, she was just considered a really popular young lady. And as a teen, she worked at a plastic molding factory part-time. And she had started doing this after school in October of 1988. So she was about 17, 16, 17 when she started working there. And she was actually using this money and saving it that she had earned from this job for a graduation trip that she had been planning. Oh. So, like, really responsible young girl. Like, I want to go on this trip. I've got to get this job, you know. That's exactly what I was going to say. Just based on, like, not missing school and, you know, getting a yeah. job, saving up money. She sounds really responsible. Yeah. She had also found another job. Sources said it was an electronic shop that she had planned to begin working at after high school. Like, so she already had a job lined up for after high school. And after her graduation. And, I mean, she had her aspirations. She's a very pretty young woman. She wanted to become an idol singer. And, I mean, she had a bright future ahead of her. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. Didn't do drugs. She didn't even go to, like, parties that her classmates threw. Like, she basically went to school, was well-liked at school, went to work, went home. Well, she's, like, aged beyond her years a little right she's super responsible like i she's just she's a great young lady she's like a parent's dream yes likely (laughs) on november 25th 1988 when junko is just 17 year old years old she had finished a shift at her position at the plastic molding factory she had told friends that she was excited to just go home and watch the television show tonbo which the translation for that is dragonfly i don't know if that's the same dragonfly in the U.S., I don't know, but she was riding her bike home around 8:30 p.m. And this is when Junko would be kicked off of her bike, and the then perpetrator would flee the scene. And like, he just kicked her off her bike and ran away. Well, he stole her bike too. Like oh, what she a dick. Yeah, and that's when Junko would be approached by Hiroshi Miyano, and Hiroshi would offer to walk her home. He's like, "Hey, you're good. I'll walk you home." And after a little convincing, she's like, okay, cool. Now, a little background on Miyano. He's about 18 years old. He had a history of what most sources called, quote, problematic behavior. And this started in elementary school. It included shoplifting, damaging public property, specifically school property. And he was also known as the school bully. Oh, not really somebody. I see. I don't know. Because like. I would want him on my side, please. But also not who I would want. Let me rephrase. I don't want to be on his bad side. But I also don't think I want him walking me home at night. I I don't think so either. In April of 1986, so a couple years prior to the incident, he would enroll in a private school in Tokyo. From what I could find, this was because of his problematic behavior. But he would also drop out of this private school in 87. And then it looks like, from what I could tell in articles, he went then to the public school where Junko had also attended, and he was then the school bully. 
his problematic behavior did not exactly end. Did they know each other, like, from school? Or were they just strangers? Oh, yeah. Yes, they knew each other. From what I could find, they seemed to know each other from school. And I actually have a bullet on that one. Um, But his problematic behavior actually escalates. And he becomes involved with the uh, Yakuza. Uh And this is a crime syndicate in Japan. So organized crime, gang, whatever you want to call it. Miyano, did I say his name right? Miyano, he was considered a low-ranking member, which they called a Chimpira. Again, I don't know if I'm saying these correctly. I'm Some of these I'm saying phonetically. Some of them I'm hoping for the best. Now, as part of this crime syndicate, he would engage in activities such as purse, purse snatching, extortion, rape, and that included gang rape. He would often brag to his classmates that he was, in fact, connected with the Yakuza. And some sources said that Miyano had a crush on Junko, but he was enraged when she actually turned him down. Now, in November of 1988, he was living with his his girlfriend, from what I could find. He was working as a tile worker. Um, He was actually trying to save up money to marry this girl. And this was actually one of his friend's older sisters. Unfortunately, due to his problematic activities, which, according to him, stem from him not making enough worker, or not worker, him not making enough money as a tile worker that he kind of started more gang activities. Uh, but because of these activities, his girlfriend would break up with him. I don't have an exact timeline of when they broke up, but more, most sources say it was before November of 88, but he was still living with her. Uh, how accurate that piece is, I, I'm not sure. That's just, I couldn't find a clear timeline there. Miano had a few friends that, as far as I'm concerned, he was the leader of this little group. So Miano, we know he's 18. We have Joe Ogura, who's 17. Shinji Minato, who's 16, Yasushi Watanabe, Watanabe, who is 17. And this little gang, they would often hang out at Shinji Minato's home. And his, I mean, his parents were there. They they knew the hooligans were there. And the hooligans just kind of took over the second floor of Minato's home. Like, that was their little gang hangout. Now, we're to the point... On the night of November 25th, 1988, Junko has just been kicked off of her bike and Miyano is now offering to walk her home. Would it surprise you to learn that her getting kicked off of her bike was less than an accident? Absolutely not. It wouldn't. Miyano was, of course, behind it. So Miyano, he might not have been the one to physically kick her off the bike. He had been the one to order it. Miyano and Minato had been wandering around the city looking for women to rob and rape. When they saw Junko, they took advantage, and Miyano would have Minato kick her off the bike, he would go and gain her trust, and he would lead her to a nearby warehouse, and he would then start threatening her, and he would rape her in this warehouse. And then some sources state he would take her to a nearby hotel, and again rape her there, the entire time he is threatening to kill her. Now, at some point, Miyano calls up his little squad of shitheads to brag about raping Junko, right? He's so proud, blah, 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 which disgusting. Um, reportedly, during this call, Ogura would ask that Miyano keep Junko in captivity because he was like, I-, I want my turn and there's other people and they're absolutely fucked up. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, this is a person. You asswipes. 
Yep. Um, the group of shitheads, they were already known for gang rapes to other victims. And they're not new to this. Like, they're awful people already, right? Now, at about 3 a.m., Miana would take Junko to a park, and there they meet the group of shitheads. And, of course, when Miyano and Junko arrived, Minato, Ogura, Wantanabe, they were just waiting. And they overpower her, again threaten her. But this time they have a little backing behind their threats. They had found her home address in a notebook in her backpack. So they knew where she lived. They were using this information against her, threatening her family. Oh. And all these awful, awful things. And she's 17 years old. And they're telling her, like, if you try to escape the Yakuza, 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 Yakuza members, we're going to kill her family. Like, they're part of this well-known crime, like, gang in J- Japan. And so she's afraid. And they're just, I mean, they're tormenting her. They would take Junko to Minato's parents' house. And here her torment would not end. They would, they would sexually assault her. And she would be held captive. Junko's parents were worried about her. And on November 27th, 1988, they would report her missing to police. The shithead squad over here, they were worried about the police investigation. But they had a solution. They forced Junko to call her mother. Some reports stated that they forced her to call her mother on three separate occasions to convince her mother that Junko had simply run away and was staying with friends, but she was fine, safe, all was good. Definitely not the case. They would also force her to have the police investigation cleared up by having her, whether they had her mother or her contact police just to say, I'm just a runaway, whatever it is. They had the investigation basically dropped. And... Now, you might be asking Minato, like, they're at Minato's house. He's underage. What about his parents? Yeah, I was thinking that, but I I was wondering if I was remembering, like, the wrong name. But, yeah, where are his parents at all this? Yeah, so Minato is the younger one. Miano is the older, the leader. The leader. So if you hear gotcha. a T, he's the younger one, but he's it's his house. Okay. Well, the boys would basically force Junko to act as Minato's girlfriend when his parents were around. At least initially. They soon realized that Minato's parents were not going to report any of anything to the police. And so. Why? Um, his parents had their their reasoning. Um, we'll talk about it later. Okay. So later that night, and we're looking at the night of November 28th. Nope, 27th. It's supposed to be 27th. Miyano would invite Tetsuo Makumara and Koichi Ihara to, Ma- to Minato's home. And they would find Junko just like in a t-shirt and a skirt. Um, they would drink cough medicine. I guess they were pretending it was drugs. Uh, maybe they were just pretending it was really like hard drugs and they were acting really high. Junko had tried to escape. She was screaming in fear. Miano grabbed her legs. Ihara put a pillow over her face. Minato's parents who heard the struggle, came over, asked what was happening. Minato told them, oh, nothing. We're just, like, goofing off or whatever. And his parents are like, okay, cool. Keep it down, I guess. I don't really know what they said, but they just kind of accepted it and, you know, left. Uh And then the group would sexually assault her again. Most reports state that at this time, during this encounter, she was already in a state of unconsciousness and just stared at the ceiling, just unblinking, just... I, I think she, I wonder if she had just kind of disassociated and her mind was elsewhere. That would be my guess. And like, yeah. 
how else do you get through something like that? Right. Uh, Junko would endure 44 days of pure hell. (sighs) Um, Just a quick little trigger warning for anyone that doesn't want to hear, but we're going to talk about some of the torment she underwent. Um, It's really disturbing. It's going to be a little difficult to get through, but these, these boys are monsters and this poor girl endured so much that I think, especially once we get to the end, I think it's fair that everyone knows what these people did to her. Um, Oh God. I did want to ask just real quick. Like I know they made her call her mom on possibly multiple occasions. Um, I think you said at least three times, three times from what I understood. It was in one day though. Okay. But she at least called her mom multiple times. Uh, somehow got the police investigation cleared away. I know here in the States, if you miss a certain amount of school days, like you get in trouble, your parents get in trouble. Do you know if that's a thing over there? Like, was the school worried that? Um, I don't know how so, Jap- Japanese schools work. So some of the articles made it seem like she had actually graduated early. Like she hadn't done the graduation ceremony and like hadn't officially gotten her degree, but like she had basically finished all of her credits early. So okay. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. That's just the the way some of the articles read that I I you know followed on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't know if the school, though I would think if she is frequently tardy when she's normally not absent, um, yeah. the school would be a little worried. But also on the flip side, if she is a runaway and police are now saying she's a runaway, her parents are saying she's a runaway, the likelihood she's going to be in school, slim to none. Uh, yeah, okay. That makes sense, unfortunately. So, yeah. Oh, God. Um, during her, her captivity, she was routinely beat, raped, and tortured. The shithead squad would even invite other men and boys to sexually assault her. Um, the boys would forcibly shave her pubic hair, uh, force her to dance to music while naked, force her to masturbate in front of them. They would leave her on the second floor balcony in the middle of the night. And they left her out there in the cold with little clothing. And just as a reminder, she was taken in late November. I don't know exactly what the temperatures get in Japan, but I don't think it's warm. At least not warm enough for someone to be sleeping barely covered out on a balcony. Um, She was only fed small amounts of food throughout her entire captivity. They would force her to eat live cockroaches. She was force fed alcohol, milk, and water. Um, she was forced to drink her own urine. Towards the end of her captivity, she was actually food, physical food was taken away and she was only given milk. They forced her to smoke multiple cigarettes a day. And at least on one occasion, they forced her to inhale paint thinner. She was raped over 400 times. Some reports state that it was actually over 500 times. In 44 days. That's approximately 12 times a day. They would... They would violate her vaginally and anally with various objects such as a bottle, a metal rod, scissors, skewers, a light bulb, and possibly the worst, a lit match and or lit fireworks. In one incident, Miano showed how sick and twisted he is, which at this point we already know how sick and twisted the whole group is. I hope they're all dead. Like, period. I I don't even have to know anything else. I just hope they're all dead or they at least died in, in an agonizing way. We'll talk about it. Um... In one incident, so Miyano shows just how sick and twisted he is, and he repeatedly burns Junko's legs and arms with lighter fluid. Her eyelids and genitals were burnt with cigarettes, lighters, and hot wax. 
In another incident, she was suspended from the ceiling and beaten with golf clubs, bamboo sticks, iron rods, or simply treated as a punching bag. Yep. What? He claims he got into gangs because he wasn't making enough money. That's the biggest crock of bullshit I've heard when you turn around and do something like this. That is the well, weakest excuse. He he basically just, his whole complaint was, I don't make enough as a, what was he, a tile worker or whatever the hell he was? I don't care about him. And so, like, his gang violence, like, the petty theft and all of that kind of increased because that was easier for him to make more money, especially if it's with this this crime syndicate or this gang. He has a lot of backing behind it, so... I understand like poverty leads people to desperation, but this isn't this isn't desperation. This is just well, sadism. Just as a reminder, there's four of them holding her captive. It's not just Miano. He might be the leader of this, but there are three other people that are holding her captive that are actively just like, yep, she's here, she's not leaving, and they are calling the shots. I really can't wait to hear what these parents were going yeah. through. By the end of December, Junko was severely malnourished. Malnourished. Um, due to the brutality of the attacks, her face was so swollen that it was difficult to make out her features. She was just so severely injured to a point she was not even able to go downstairs to the restroom. She had infections from various burns on her body. She was weak and frail. She had become confined to the floor in Minato's room. And it was stated that due to her drastically declining health, that she was also giving off what sources called a rotting smell, likely from infections from burns that were never treated, that they caused. Now, due to her altered appearance, crippled body, and this supposed smell coming from her infected wounds, her tormentors would lose sexual interest in her. And reports state that at this point, they would abduct another 19-year-old, and this was a girl on her way home, um, from what I could find, they didn't necessarily hold her captive and treat her the same way, but they did sexually assault her. And another trigger trigger warning for anyone that doesn't want to hear this or is struggling with this, uh, things get worse. And I'm sorry, but I maintain people, there's a lot to it. And I think people need to know what happened to this girl. And spoiler alert, from what I could find, they're all out of jail and free people. So we'll we'll talk about that. And and that's why I'm going into these details. I don't think these people deserve to live without people knowing what they did. But so another trigger warning starts right now. On January 3rd, 1989, Miano had lost a game of Mahjong. And on January 4th, he would take his anger out about this lost game out on Junko. Now, some reports stated that she had beat him and that pissed him off. Others stated that it was a different acquaintance that had beaten him. But regardless, he is a poor sport. And he is taking his anger out on on this very weak, very ill girl. Who probably didn't want to play the damn game to begin with. If it was her. Yeah. You know. And this was the next day, you said? Yeah, so January 3rd, he lost the game. January 4th is when the events happened. Ugh. Okay. He, Miano, would pour lighter fluid on Junko and light her on fire. She would attempt to stop the fire on her body, but she would gradually become unresponsive. The boys would kick and punch her. They lit a candle and dripped hot wax on her face. They placed two short burning candles on her eyelids, forced her to drink her own urine. Um, She eventually was kicked, fell into the stereo, and when she fell to the ground, she began convulsing. I mean, she's, she's not doing well. At some point during this torment, the four boys 
would put on plastic bags over their hands because Junko was bleeding profusely because of them and had the infections had pus secreting from the sores on her body. Might I add that they have caused every single injury to her. They are the ones to have burned her. They are the ones to have beat her. They left the wounds untreated. They, it's Everything is on them. But they put these plastic bags on their hands and continue their assault on her. Uh, at some point, they would drop an iron exercise ball on her stomach several times. And the reports state that this torment lasted two hours. So she would endure this brutal attack for two hours before she would succumb to her wounds. And Junko was passed away on January 4th, 1989. I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. Because he lost at Mahjong, that sprouted this brutal... I'm not even at, like, you know, it's bad enough she was there in the first place, but... Yeah. A lot of people think this stemmed from her rejection of him. Like, he was really upset that she had rejected him in the first place. And so any excuse he could find to take that anger out on her, he was. But that doesn't explain the other three boys' involvement, to me at least. Like, Unless it's just herd mentality. It's awful. Because let me tell you, like, let me tell everybody right now, women have the right to say no. And they don't have to have a reason. And if that hurts the feelings of your little centimeter Peter, well, that's just too bad. They were offended. I don't know. Again, they're already shitty people before this attack on Junko. Like, they were already doing all these gang-related activities. They were already shitty people. And unfortunately, Junko got the worst of it. it yeah. It sounds like it. Because, um, I'm sorry, the other girl, do you know, did they let her go? I couldn't find she... a lot of details on that, honestly. From what I could find is they had let her go. They had previously in the past sexually assaulted women in their little group, whatever, and let them go. So this, like, that was a reoccurring theme. But I also think that in December when they had done that, they already had Junko captive. They already had a punching bag. They didn't oh. need another one. They just wanted to satisfy. They didn't need one to begin with. They didn't. They didn't have any other like way to satisfy urges with the the nineteen year old that came along. Like they took care of themselves. She was awful, whatever, and they moved along. Um, that's what I could find. I again, I didn't find a lot. That's what I understood happened. But there were not a lot of details about that other girl. Um. And for Junko, wherever, whatever version of heaven she believes in, if that's what she believes in, whatever afterlife, I don't care. I hope she's like living the best life there because this poor girl. 24 hours after this brutal attack, Minato's brother would call and just say, like, Junko was not moving. She's not responding. She does appear to be dead. They didn't even fucking check on her after their assault. They left her there. They just left her lifeless body thinking she would be a punching bag for them another day. So now the group is fearful of murder charges. And they're like, oh, crap, what do we do? They wrap her body in blankets, shove her into a travel bag, which to me, that's like a suitcase. That's what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. Put her body in a 55 US gallon drum or a 210 liter drum. They fill this drum with concrete, like Uh wet concrete. Uh 
And at about 8 p.m. on January 5th, 1989, they would dispose of this drum in a cement truck or in a cement, like just kind of a disposal area, from what I understood, in Koto, Tokyo. And at this point, they think they've gotten away with it. They're like, sweet, we're done, moving on. I thought you were going to tell me they like dumped her in an ocean or something. No, there, no. Some reports state that on at least two occasions, police were notified of Junko's condition in one way or another. One from a boy that had claimed to witness her condition after being invited to Monato's home. This boy had told his brother about her condition, the brother told their parents, and their parents went on to contact police. Right? So, like, this roundabout uh-huh. brother tells brother, brother tells parents. Police reportedly went to the residence for, like, I understood it as, like, a welfare check, but they were assured, like, there's no girl that lives here. It's just, you know, there, there's nothing here. And that was satisfactory for police and they they don't return now uh-huh. a lot of people at least in the english versions of the articles i could find they highly criticize the police which to an extent i get but also i don't know the laws in japan mm-hmm. it's possible that police just had their hands tied they like go welfare check on someone that they're saying doesn't live here like what do they need to do to get entrance to a home when they they don't even know how valid the report is. Yeah, like I don't again, I don't know how it works in Japan, but I know in America like it's not easy to get a warrant. Like it can be if you're lucky, but as right. far as like, you know, going to a welfare check, as far as I understand, if you go to a house and they're like no, they don't live here, no you can't come in. Well, so okay, have a nice day. Right. And so that's where I'm like, I I get people are upset about this. And I like, it makes me mad that they couldn't do anything. I just don't know if their hands were tied or not. Again, I'm not from Japan. I don't know what police are like over there. I don't know the laws. I don't know. Yeah. If you know, let us know. I would be interested to know that. By all means, let us know. Um, The second time they might have had the opportunity to save her, it was actually Junko herself that had called. But unfortunately, before she could speak, her captors had found her. And so she actually never said anything on the phone. And when police called back, the captors assured the police that the call was just a simple mistake. Again, I don't think police can do anything. They didn't hear anything. They had no reason to be suspicious. We're sorry we dialed the wrong number or we didn't mean to. Whatever it was, it was a mistake. My little brother, whoever it was, dialed the number and like we just we scolded him. Whatever it was, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. How many times does a little kid call 911? And I'm sure they get that all the time. Right. And, like, I, I'll i be honest. I, with technology, which has screwed me over, I've called 911 on accident. And I've been like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to call. It was the emergency button thing on my phone. Oh, and I yeah. tried to end, you know, whatever. And, you know, like, they're always like, okay, I'm moving on. Yeah. So, for that one, I'm... I struggle because they, I don't think, with, with her not being able to say anything, from what I could find, she wasn't able to say anything. What are they going to do with that? Yeah. I mean, so. As far as I know, like, you know, it's a sticky situation. You have to have clear proof, clear evidence, cl- like probable, no, not probable Probable cause. cause. Oh, yeah. Probable yeah, cause. Probable okay. Cause. I was like, no, that's not right. Okay. No. I know what I'm talking about. Um. You have to have a reason, basically, yeah. to be a cop and just bust in someone's door. Right. So um, it is frustrating, though. So uh, it's frustrating. Again, and I'm thinking about this in, you know, U.S. And I again, I don't know how different the laws are. I know they're very different. I'm sure they're very different. But 
uh, hands are tied from what I can see from my outsider perspective. While it sucks, and I think police dropping the missing persons investigation really sucked. Mm-hmm. I also think there was a lot of manipulation there. Um, and even worse is, of course, Junko had been punished for contacting police. They doused her legs in lighter fluid and set her on fire for that incident. They, I don't know what it is with them and burning her, but we're done. Like, How have they not just set the whole second floor of this freaking house on fire at this point? Like, what is wrong with y'all? I don't know. What is wrong with y'all for multiple reasons? I know. I, they're... It's mm. awful, I'm telling you. On January 23rd, 1989, Miano and Ogura would be arrested for the gang rape of the 19-year-old woman they had taken in December. So this is why I think they released her, is because she, they were, like, they're not being charged with a murder, they're being charged with her rape. Okay. And so they're arrested. On March 29th, 1989, Miano and Ogura are interrogated by two police officers. And investigators had found women's underwear and they had found some other things in their residence that had kind of raised eyebrows. Now, Miano, the ringleader, he became frightened during the interrogations and he thought that Ogura had implicated them in Junko's murder. And this is because police had mentioned an open murder case that Miano just believed they were referring to Junko. He also believed, like, when they mentioned this, Miano also was like, oh, Ogura already sold us out. Like... I've got to just tell them about what happened. So this is police being police. Yeah. Well, Miano tells the police where to find Junko. And this actually threw investigators off because it's not what they were expecting for the murder confession. They were questioning them about a murder of a different woman and her seven-year-old son that had (gasps) occurred several days before Junko was taken. So they're looking at this completely different case, and he confesses to the murder of Junko. Who they didn't even know was missing. I mean, they might have known she was missing, but they weren't, like, she wasn't on their radar. Like, she's a runaway. Yeah. So they have no reason to be like, like, oh yeah, tell us about Junko. They're like, Junko? Isn't, like, what? And so the case that they were asking about still remains unsolved to this day with the other woman and her seven-year-old son. But police now are like... We have a completely different murder case now. And because Miano admit he he told them where to find her remains, and the police would go to find the drum containing her remains on March 30th, 1989, just one day after the confession. And Junko would be positively ID'd via fingerprints. I don't know how they did that when she's 17. I I don't know how it works in Japan, but I don't think I was fingerprinted at 17. I don't I still know. don't think I'm fingerprinted. I, I don't think I am either. I've, I've never been fingerprinted unless you count my forensics class in college, but I don't know that I would count that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been fingerprinted. So, yeah, I can fingerprint people. I remember how to do it. It's not helpful. Anyways, <laughs> um, on April 1st, 1989, Oguro, he had been arrest- like released and he was arrested again for a separate sexual assault and subsequently for the murder of Junko. Watanabe? Minato and Minato's brother would be arrested just days after. Other accomplices would be identified and arrested for raping Junko. They were able to find the DNA of multiple people on and in Junko. Reportedly, over 100 people knew of Junko's kidnapping and did nothing. Oh. Because they were participating in her 
torture. 12 sexual assaults a day for 44 days. They weren't necessarily the same people every time. How do you find that many disgusting excuses for human beings? They're all part of this Yakuza gang. Oh, oh my god. Initially, the identities of all of the defendants were sealed by courts, since most of them were juveniles at the time. Don't give a shit. Well, (laughs) that didn't last long, because journalists from a magazine in Japan would uncover their identities and publish them. And this magazine, well, this journalist was like, based off of the severity of the crimes, they don't exactly deserve anonymity. No. So I hope that those boys hated every second of their names being published. I hope they still, to this day, get, like, rotten tomatoes thrown at them. Oh, well, some people might not know who they are. Some of them might have changed names, identities. Anyways, Miyano, Nato, Ogura, and Wantanabe would all plead guilty to, to committing bodily injury that resulted in death, a lesser charge than murder. They all pled guilty to that. What? Yeah. Not committing, rape, Not torture? committing bodily injury that resulted in death. Okay. And you're going to be real pissed off again. Please tell me they got out on parole or something. They all received relatively light sentences. Sure. Wantanabe was originally sentenced to three to four years in prison, but he received what they called an upgraded sentence of five to seven years. I actually called and asked my dad, and I was like, do you know what this is? I know it's in Japan. Um, and he he thinks that it could be, in the U.S., we have, like, an enhanced sentencing, which comes into play with organized crime groups, gangs, things like that. So it's, like, oh. added time, basically, to, like, say, hey, don't be part of gangs, and you won't get an extra three, four years, or whatever it might be, right? That to, makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, it's a deterrent. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't know if that's what this was for this upgraded sentence, but... I wonder if that's what that's what it was because it was gang related and based off of the context that's kind of what I would think. So he is sentenced this is Wantanabe. He was sentenced total 5 to 7 years. Ogura was sentenced for 5 to 10 years. He also had the same thing. I don't know what his original sentence was. Uh Minato he was sentenced 5 to 9 years and in 1990 Miyano was sentenced to 17 years in prison. Miyano would appeal, but the Tokyo High Court would actually go on and add three years to his sentence for a total of 20 years. Ha <laughs> sucker. Um, That's the only, like, light in that I, last sentence that you said. I know. I'm sorry. Now, Minato's parents and brother. Like, they lived in that house. They knew what was going on. Minato's parents claimed to have to not intervene because they were scared because they claimed that their own son was violent towards them. And they also claimed that they knew that they were involved with this Yakuza gang and they were fearful of their lives. So his parents and brother did not end up being charged at all. I was kind of starting to wonder that towards the end when they were, I guess maybe they were in deep. I don't know crap about gangs, okay? I don't know if that's surprising to anybody, but I've never been in one. So, but I can imagine if he is serious enough about this to keep, um, at least one person as a torture object in their house um, that they might be afraid of him. I guess to an extent I can see it, but I also think about what this girl went through and they allowed that to happen, to continue happening. 
They had to have heard it happening. They did. There was the incident, at least one reported incident, where they came and checked on what was going on and were told everything's fine. And they moved on. Like, you couldn't even call them or something when she was locked outside on the balcony? You couldn't even help tend to her wounds? At the least? Also, on the flip side of that, if they had tended to her wounds, she might have endured this torture much longer. Oh, okay. So it, that one's a hit and miss for me, but I also still think as a a person, as a human being, I would not want to see another human being go through this. I can't imagine like hearing it every day and just moving like, on. What do you do? Just vacuum? I have no clue. But then to also see her declining health, like they they had to have known. Like there's no way they didn't. She was so weak, she could not get off of the floor. They knew she was there. And then one day she wasn't. I just find it hard to believe, like, y'all were... <clears throat> I don't know. I've never been in this situation, and hopefully I never am, but, like, you couldn't tell anybody? That's what I'm saying. They couldn't tell anybody. Like, I don't understand that. Again, maybe that's just a me mentality. I don't... I'm not associated with gangs, crime syndicates, whatever they want to be called. I, I know nothing. So I don't know... Like, I don't know the fear they might have been in or gone through. I I don't know. But I'm still struggling to see them just letting this girl be tortured like that. Yeah. uh, I mean, I agree with you. I also can't imagine, like, my child acting like that either. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. I have no idea. I just, I, I I hope nobody ever goes through this crap again. Yeah. Now, the light sentences, I know a lot of people are probably losing their mind because most of the sentences were, like, under 10 years. It's likely due to their ages. Like, the one that got 20 years was the 18-year-old. And that that was the heftiest sentence in this case. The rest of them were all under the age of 18 at the time. So they were likely tried as juveniles, though they shouldn't have been. Um, There were some articles that talked about this case actually causing for some reform in their judicial system what that looked like i couldn't get clarity it just a lot of people were like this is bullshit they should have been tried as adults um and the the what three to five years or whatever it might have been way too short so i completely agree yes they were old enough like 16 17 they knew they knew what they were doing at 16 17 and you get caught shoplifting like okay that you know what we all i was a really stupid 17 year old So I get that. But at 17, 18 years old, and you literally torture a human being, I feel like that should get a thicker book thrown at you. Uh Uh-huh. Like, possibly, maybe the chance at reform is just a little less in people like that. Especially when you do it for 44 days. The other side, a lot of people, like, this is widely believed that their lighter sentences were connected to the fact that they were part of the yakuza gang and so people were like because of that they got lighter sentences whether the judge sentence whoever it was was fearful of this gang themselves or you know had connections whatever it may have been oh. so that's another theory i don't know i don't know on that one now all of the main offenders the four they would be released from jail in their lifetimes ogura he was released in 1999 he is said to have taken the family name kamisaku and was adopted by what they call the supporter. So I assume that's part of the gang related, like a supporter in the gang, like a- adopted him or whatever, took him under the wing. I don't know anybody else who would. Well, well, 
he is said to have boasted about the torture of Junko. Like, he was like, yeah, I did this. Great. And so he learned a valuable lesson. Yep. Wonderful. He would be arrested in 2004 for assaulting Takatoshi Isuno. Um, this Takatoshi, he had believed that his girlfriend had been having relationships with Takatoshi. Isuno was allegedly beaten for hours. He, Ogura, was sentenced to seven years in prison. Um, since then, he's been released, and from what I can find, he is free now. Great. And let's just talk about his mother for a second. His mother reportedly vandalized Junko's grave, stating that Junko had ruined her son's life. Ma'am, your son ruined his own damn life. Pardon me? It sounds like you ruined his life way faster than anybody else did by not raising a decent human. (laughs) Oh my God, the audacity. Uh, Right? The audacity behind like this, this dead girl ruined my son's life. No, she didn't do shit to your son. If anything, your son did everything to her. He tortured her. The fact that you desecrated a grave to get revenge because you think she ruined his life. She's dead. You ruined her grave. Does that not compute in your head that, yeah, she, okay, if she ruined his life, he took her. Again, this is reportedly, I don't know, like, uh, that's just reportedly. The reports I could find stated she did it. She might say she never did it. I, I don't know. I, I haven't talked to her. I also don't feel a need to speak with her. <laughs> Oh my gosh, what's happening? Yeah. Uh, Minato, this is the the kid whose house she was held captive in. He would be released and he would move back in with his mother. The year he was released, I'm not sure. I could not find anything. He was only sentenced to five to nine years. Uh, but he moves back in with his mother. And in 2018, he is arrested for attempted murder after beating a 32-year-old man with a metal rod and slashing his throat with a knife. I could not find if he's out and about or in prison for that. I couldn't find anything. He probably got like three years and a slap on the wrist and was like, run, run, run along. I I have no clue. That was 2018, so I don't know. Watanabe, he was released late 90s. I didn't have an exact year again. It's actually believed he is the only one to have not reoffended. So he did reform. He straightened out. I still think he's trash. Yeah. Like you're still trash. Congratulations, you're not burning trash, but you're gar- you killed someone. You're garbage. Period. Yeah. Yep. Um. So and I mean, that- ignored her slow demise. Uh huh. <sighs> I know. I know. Uh, Miano, he was denied parole in t- 2004, but he would end up being released in 2009. He is again arrested in 2013 for fraud, but he was released shortly after. From what I could find, they just didn't have enough evidence against him. And from what I could find, he's currently walking free now as well. Wonderful. And again, I thought it was important to talk about what they actually did because these, at least three of these garbage freaking whatever are out and about from what I could find. They're free. They're not behind bars. We don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know necessarily know if i want to know what they're doing but they're not good people during junko's captivity she had mentioned to her captors that she regretted not seeing that final episode of dragonfly 
I didn't put the Japanese version in here. I'm sorry. I thought I had. Um, but she had regretted not seeing that final episode. Miyano, our little ringleader over here, he actually put a taped copy of the finale in the travel bag with her body. And it's not because he pitied her, felt remorse. He didn't want her to return as a ghost and haunt him. And I hope if she did come back as a ghost, she haunts the ever-loving shit out of him. Granted, I don't want her to come back as a ghost. I, like, I want her to be in like a better place. Whatever her her vision of heaven, what I would consider heaven is, that's where she belongs. I want her to be in dragon. I want her to be a dragonfly. Just flying on the breeze, carefree, and... Yep. So she buzzes in their ears for the rest of their freaking lives. Can hate them so much. Now, Junko's parents, uh, you can say they were less than pleased with the sentences and outcome for their daughter. Like, they don't feel like she got justice. I don't feel like she got justice. No. They would go on to win a civil suit against Minato's parents, whose home Junko was held captive in. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, reportedly, Minato's mother would have to pay her parents 50 million yen, and that is about 425,000 USD. Most articles said that they had to sell their home in order to pay them for the civil suit. I, I, don't, I don't feel, feel bad. bad. Yeah. Now, Junko's funeral was held on April 2nd, 1989. Her friends and family mourned their like her loss. It was really hard. Her friend's memorial address stated, Junchan, welcome back. I have never imagined that we would see you again in this way. You must have been in so much pain, so much suffering. The hapi, which I understood that like, like a uh, garment of some sort. Okay. Um, the hoppy we all made for the school festival looked really good on you. We will never forget you. I've heard that the principal has presented you with a graduation certificate. So we graduated together. All of us. Junchan, there is no more pain, no more suffering. Please rest in peace. Her future employer, the one that she had accepted a position with and was going to start working there after graduation, uh-huh. presented her parents with the uniform that would have been hers. And that was placed in the casket with her. Oh my god, I've got goosebumps. And at the high school's graduation, reportedly the principal would present Junko with a diploma, well Junko's parents with a diploma for her graduation. Destroy me. I'm sorry. That's the horrible, horrible story about the murder of Junko. Uh, Fruta. She definitely endured a lot. It's just weenies and jerks. I hate them so much. And she, like, when you look at the pictures of Junko, she's so cute. She's so pretty. So, there you have it. I hope your story is not as horrible. I forgot I had to talk after that. Are you speechless? I'm sorry. I know, I went into a lot of detail. But again, I thought it was important. No, Because I they are out and about. Like, I just, like, I know I don't speak Japanese. And I don't know anyone in Japan that's going to listen and go oh i know these people but i still feel like she went through so much she went through so much amanda is so stressed she is taking a hit yeah i'm taking my medicine i'm sorry (sighs) it's your turn can you make this less awful um i did a haunting um okay so it's less awful yeah we haven't done one in a while and Jesus Lord, am I glad. Okay, I'm ready then. Uh, I'm sorry. That was rough. I'm sorry. 
Okay. Have you ever heard of the Birdcage Theater? Oh, I've heard of the... Oh, I'm thinking Squirrel Cage Prison, I think. What I don't the think hell is that? That is the <laughs> least prison I ever want to go. That's the last one on my list. The only one that I know of... Okay, well, I know of a couple. But that's the bottom of the list. Right? The Squirrel Cage Prison. Prison, yeah. Potawatomi Squirrel hell? Cage Jail. Yeah, okay. I have. I don't know if I've heard of the Burl... Burl Birdcage Prison. It's a Birdcage Theater. Yeah. Theater. Um... <laughs> well, well, I want to know more about the squirrel cage. But, um, <laughs> the only sure squirrel cage there. I've ever had had a squirrel in it. So I don't think this one has a squirrel in it. I mean, maybe I don't know. Uh, I just okay. Put a pin in that. Okay. Um, uh, the prefer bird... a squirrel over a bird any day. Oh well, there there's no birds involved with this, but there are broads. Okay. Um, so surely you've heard of Tombstone, Arizona, right? Yes. I want to go there so bad. That is on my <laughs> vacation bucket list. I've already told James and he's like, that's a long drive. And I was like, well, if we go now, we don't have to pay for Annie's ticket. She can just sit on our laps in a plane ride. Okay. So, um, the Birdcage Theater is in Tombstone, Arizona, not Tucson, like my notes say for some reason. This theater... <laughs> Originally opened December 26th, 1881. And what is going on? Was I drunk when I wrote these? No. Were you high when you wrote them? No. I know, because I did it on my lunch break. Um, oh. So maybe I was just stressed. Hold on. I'm so sorry. I'm pretty sure that's a typo. It was definitely a typo. Um, so it was opened by... William Billy Hutchinson and his wife Lottie, which Willi- William Billy Hutchinson, uh huh, he was known by Billy, Billy. Willie Billy, uh, and his wife Lottie, which autocorrected to Lottery, which is why I was so confused. So Billy, he was a performer, and uh, he was a variety performer, and he wanted to show quote respectable family shows. Like the one that he and Lottie had seen in San Francisco. So he opened the Birdcage Theater. And the theater advertised ladies' nights on Tuesdays. So free admission for women of Tucson. Of Tombstone! What is happening? I'm so sorry. The theater advertised ladies' nights. So free admission for the women of Tombstone. But the economics of the times didn't really lend to their ideas uh, they weren't making enough money pandering to the higher clientele that they had dreamt of uh so eventually after a couple of years hutchinson the original owner he was said to have sold the birdcage to hugh mccrum and john strauff after a couple years not not very long i kind of love that last name of strauff strauff well, isn't that great i don't know if i'm saying it right but i'm i'm pretty sure that's how it said Strauff and McCrum, they had it their own little couple years. They sold it in 1886 to John Bigman. I hope I'm saying that right. John Bigman. And Bigman, he had big plans and a big wife. Her name was Big Minnie. These two are credited with making the Birdcage Theater into what it was eventually known for. Do you want to know what it was known for? I'm hoping it's opposite of what it was. Like, it's not family friendly. 
It's more of a brothel type, isn't it's it? It's debauchery. Yes. They renamed it the Elite Theater. They started offering entertainment more likely to attract the rougher crowds, specifically miners, because we are in the gold rush days, and during the gold rush, Tombstone was freaking hopping, okay? It was, bi- it was bustling. This was uh, the theater. They changed it into a place to dance and drink all night long. Soon, the theater was drastically different than what was originally intended. In 1882, the New York Times wrote, The Birdcage Theater is the wildest, wickedest night spot between Basin Street and the Barbary Coast. Damn. So, yeah, it, was, it wasn't family friendly anymore. I love it still. This building it still stands today, and it is a museum. They have, they have so much stuff in this museum. I recommend watching Ghost Adventures, Ghost Hunters, all of the ghost shows. Just because it's like little mini tours of this place. Okay. So, oh, and it's creepy. The building oh, okay. has over 140 bullet holes in the walls. Mm-hmm. The, it, has, it had turned into a brothel, a bar, a theater. Um, 26 people were said to have been killed in shootouts. And then one, um, one of the women who worked there, one of the sex workers, she was said to have been killed um, after she was caught with someone else's client. And the lady stabbed her in the chest. Overreaction much? She was never proven guilty because they never found a murder weapon until, allegedly, decades later. Oh, please tell me Zach Baggins found the murder weapon. I think they talked about it. Oh. But I think he said it was a heel. It was like a stiletto maybe it was a knife in the stiletto i don't know that feels a little advanced for the late 1800s but from what i read she stabbed her in the chest um more than once so some examples of these shows that they put on i have a list for you these are the shows that were specifically guided toward or targeted the rough and tumble crowd i guess so they had masquerade balls hosted by what was described as cross-dressing comedians. That sounds like a masquerade ball I would 1,000% go to. That sounds like a blast. That does sound like a blast. I'm not even going to argue. There was Cornish wrestling competitions. I had to look this up because I'm just thinking of Cornish hens wrestling one another in a ring. That, see, that's what I was thinking was Cornish hens. I was like... What are these hens doing? <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> um, Cornish wrestling is a style of res- wrestling that originated in Cornwall. And these were so popular, the outcomes of these competitions were known like worldwide. Like they were published in, I guess, Cornwall, but they were published overseas, the, the winners of these. Yeah. There was a woman named Alma Hayes. She went by. Mademoiselle de Granville, also uh, known as the female Hercules, the woman with the iron jaw. She performed feats of strength, like picking up heavy objects with her jaw. Is that why she had the iron jaw? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's why she was the female Hercules. I, I don't know why she's picking up things with her jaw. That just seems like it's painful on your teeth. It does. I would I would like to know how you discovered that talent. 
Because from my understanding, she would like attach ropes or chains to these things and then have like a, it sounded like a horse bit uh, in her mouth. And that's what she would use to pick things up. Listen, I can pick things up with my toes. That's foul. <laughs> that makes me so uncomfortable. Can you pinch people with them? Because that's one no, of the worst no, things no, no, in the no. world. Okay. I can't. I'm not that talented. I absolutely hate when people pinch me with their... It's one of those like irrational fears. It makes me want to vomit. I don't like no, it. No, I can just like... If I drop a sock, I can... It's like, this is the top of my foot, this is the bottom. It's like grabbing like that. I can't like use my toes. Oh, okay. So yours is like a grip, not a... Yeah. Not a yeah. separate and pin. No, uh, I can- <laughs> I cannot <laughs> use my toes like how I use my fingers. Mm-hmm. It's just like the gripping, like your toes curl under. Yeah. So this is another tangent for you. Um, when me and James were still dating long distance, uh, he came and stayed at my apartment one day and he brought like his computer set up with him and I had fiber internet. It was a great time. We don't have that here. And he... He used to stream video games and that's what he was doing. And I came home on my lunch and I walk in the room and he's playing um, Apex, which is a first person shooter games. Very chaotic. He was playing with his feet. What's wrong? You married him still? That's why he killed somebody. I don't know how the heck he shot someone with his feet, but yeah. Okay. But you just said you have this weird fear of God. What? What? I don't even know what it was. Pinching. People, pinching, pinching with toes. <laughs> And that's okay, but him playing a video game with his toes. That's because that was a very clear boundary from the beginning. Is like, hey, I'm not one of those clingy girls. I like to do my own thing. Also, if you pinch me with your toes, I'll choke you in your sleep. Off the rip. Don't do it or we're over in the most final form of being over. I'm just so confused on Um, how that was okay for you. It was pretty funny. I, I, that was your selling point, but whatever. Your selling so, point, not mine. And I mean, yeah, I don't know what them toes do, I guess. They also had Irish comedians come and perform. Two in particular, two named, were Burns and Trayers. Uh, a duo. I don't know who they are. They also had a comic singer named Irene Baker. They had a famous opera singer, Carrie Delmar. They had a comedian named Nola Forrest. These names mean nothing to me, but somebody might know who they are. So, I mean, the names were there. I'm reporting them. I don't know why this name wasn't there, because I need to know more about this. So they also had a magician that would come by. And this magician could catch bullets in his teeth. Wait, what? Mm Mm-hmm. Why isn't he, like, our whole episode? Well, mainly because he was kind of accidentally proved to possibly not be a magician when somebody who wasn't part of his act stood up in the crowd, challenged him, shot a gun at him, and he did not catch it. He didn't shoot a gun. I'm sorry. He shot a bullet from his gun. I was going to say that is some talent. He did not catch that bullet in his teeth. But I can absolutely, if I think back to gold mining, like gold rush days, I can absolutely imagine a random cowboy standing up and shooting a pistol at a quote unquote magician after like 12 whiskeys. I love it so much. The Birdcage Theater is 
also famous for hosting the longest poker game in history in the basement. According to Ripley's, it's not the longest, but this is accredited with being the longest running game of poker. And the table that they played this at is still on site. I included a picture. You're welcome. Oh, thank you. This table had a $1,000 buy-in. Yeah. And back then, um, oh, heck, I thought I had that. Uh, I believe it was $300,000 was the conversion. I was way off. $1,000 was the buy-in at the time in 1881. And today, it would be about $29,591.76. Damn. So just an easy 30 grand to play cards. No biggie. No. So some notable players were George Hurst, Diamond Jim Brady. I don't know who that is. He was a businessman who made his fortune on the railroad. So he was very rich. Anybody that had anything to do with railroads was well off. Yeah. There was also Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp played in this game and if you don't know who they are i don't know what you're doing with your life but you need to go watch tombstone and then get back to me they played this game 24 7 for eight years five months and three days they played poker i'm sorry how does anyone sit and do they get breaks yeah it's not the same people like people would you know people would buy in and then they would i guess go broke and they would leave someone else with an easy 30 grand in their pockets would sit down and start playing. But it never, it never lagged. It never stopped. There was always somebody playing. And you've always got new faces. Do we know who was the longest at the table? No. I tried to find that though. Cause I really wanted to know. I wanted to know how much money they made there. I did find that they estimated that $10 million was exchanged throughout the life of the game from 1881 to 1889. And the birdcage kept 10% of that money. So they're making, they're making money. Yeah, I would say. Uh, like I said earlier, the big men were the ones to turn the birdcage into a brothel. And <laughs> from what I read, it was more like it was already a brothel, but they made it what it was, if that makes sense. Big Minnie, she was the madam, and she came to... The establishment as one of the girls, one of the workers. Well, she caught the eye of Mr. Bignan, of John, and which is kind of funny because isn't that what sex workers call their clients or Johns? Yeah. I just thought that was kind of ironic. I don't know. Maybe that's me being insensitive. But she caught his attention. They started dating. They eventually fell in love. They got married. And she kind of took on that part of the business. And I guess he did everything else, the drinking and the brawling and the shooting guns at walls. Why not, right? They called her Big Minnie because she was six feet tall, 230 pounds. She wore pink tights, is what she was known for. She sang, she danced, she played piano. She sounds like a, like I would marry her. She sounds like the best time. Honestly, yeah. Like I imagine she had, if she didn't have her own show, I don't know what they were doing, but I just imagine her singing, dancing, and playing piano in pink tights on stage. I just imagine her having the time of her life. I feel like she was probably in her element here. So if you look at that fourth picture, you see the balcony boxes with the curtains? No. Yes. 
that is what they call, like, why it was called the birdcage. The quote-unquote cages, these were where the sex workers would conduct their business. It was in these curtained balcony boxes. And there's another picture. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going back to the, the first picture there. So, let me get my words together. Basically, the layout is you have, like, a kind of small entryway. Then you go into this, they called it the main room which is where the stage is. There's a bar there. And then you have the bird cages behind the stage would lead you downstairs into that poker room or the gambling room as they called it. So it wasn't, it was kind of, I don't want to say hidden because it was known about, but it's a little out of the way. Okay. The theater closed in 1889 when the mines were flooded and people eventually abandoned the town to seek their fortunes elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And when the building was leased in the 1930s as a coffee shop, it was said that the new owners just opened the door and stepped back in time because it was left similarly to how they have it set up now. It was like everybody just put their cards down and left, which is the eeriest freaking thing in the world to me. I knowing hate that, that so much. Yeah, from 1889 to the 1930s. It was just the, oh, that's so creepy. When the building was leased in the 30s, it was a coffee shop. I think I just said that. Sorry. Now it's a museum that I told James, like, we're going to go. That last, the third picture, that is the Black Mariah. And it's yet another reason that the Birdcage Theater is said to be so haunted because it's, the Black Mariah is one of, one of eight hearses. That was made and is rumored to be the first vehicle with curved glass. That hearse is trimmed in 24 karat gold and sterling silver. And is said to be valued by the Ford Museum for over $2 million. I hate it so much. (laughs) It was used as the town hearse from 1881 to 1917. People said that this hearse claimed to have a cowboy for breakfast every day. They said that this hearse carried all but six people of Tombstone to the graveyard. I less than like it. It is, like, active. People, a lot of activity revolves around this hearse, understandably. People will go up and they'll take pictures with it, and they claim to see faces in the glass. Or they'll see it standing behind the hearse. The box to the left of the hearse, that's... Literally, the casket that they use, they'll see faces in the glass. It's just, I want to touch it. Like, please, for the love of God, don't, don't touch it. It's so old. Swear to God, if you, I'm going to have to tell James you guys can't go to Tombstone. Oh, don't do that. Just tell him when we're in Tombstone that I'm going to touch the casket, the hearse. I'm not going to touch the casket. Ma'am, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't tell him. If he finds out that I knew your intentions beforehand. Just delete the audio and it never happened. I I am an audio hoarder. I have not deleted any audio since we started. Just delete this, that little 10 seconds right there. Maybe I won't put it in this episode, but I will still have the audio. That's what you're not understanding. You're not hearing me. I'm hearing you. I just don't agree with what you're saying. I'm saying delete it. Scrub it from memory. I, you're not hearing me say I'm a hoarder. I can't <laughs> physically bring myself to delete it. 
You know what? He knows me well enough. I'll touch it. <laughs> he would already stop me. It's fine. We, we're still going to go. Uh, in the building, people just report, like, a general feeling of uneasiness. Being watched. Sometimes people walk into a room and it, they say you get that feeling that everyone turns and looks at you, but there's no one else there. They're all like, we were talking about a very private matter and you just entered. Like, learn to knock. Yeah, like, a big mini is playing piano. How dare you? You let all that light in and you're in here talking? Shut it up. Shut your mouth. We're busy. People report smelling floral perfume. And specifically described to some people as lilac. I don't know if I would know what that smelled like if I ran across it, but they also smell cigar smoke. There's cold spots that people have said they can walk up to anything in here. I mean, like I said, it's a museum, so there's stuff all over the walls uh, in displays for you to look at. And they have said that they'll walk up to something and just feel really cold and they'll back up and it just goes back to like normal room temperature. But when they step back into that spot, for whatever reason, someone would do that. It's cold again. I just don't like it. People report seeing shadows, faces, full-bodied apparitions. Most of the time people see people in, or men in cowboy hats. They see uh, sex workers, or I guess presumed sex workers. And they also see very specifically a woman in a white dress and a bonnet going downstairs to the gambling room and sometimes in the gambling room. So she seems to be on that staircase and just in the room. She's busy. She's gambling. Why can't we just leave her alone? Leave her and her bonnet to be. Why do we have to bother her? Like, I'm not understanding what the big deal is, you know? There's also reports that they see people walking down the stairs, but the people never reach the bottom of the stairs. They got distracted, had to turn around. Listen, all these issues that these people are making up, just ridiculous. I just want to know, like, who... Did not like them enough in life to torture their, what is this, your glutes and your calves like that? To just be walking downstairs for eternity? And you never reach the bottom. You never reach solid ground. Like, just imagine walking downhill forever. No, thank you. I'd rather not imagine that, but thank you for attempting to make my life just so enjoyable. I mean, it's what I'm here for. People are touched in in all the ways. Um, they are tapped on shoulders, they're pushed, they're grabbed, their clothes are tugged on. People have reported being touched, uh, um, sensually? Inappropriately. I think that's the word you're looking for. (laughs) They assume that it's possibly a sex worker, which, like, just leave them. Other people worked here. I want to say that. Stop blaming everything on them. You know what? Maybe there was, like, an affair going on. And she was like, you look like my my buddy. And she wasn't even a sex worker. She was just Drunk. a worker. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she was just there to see a, an Irish comedian and had a little too much bourbon. I don't know what they drank back then. Whiskey? Bourbon? I could not help you. 
People also report hearing laughter, yelling, music, shuffling, and bridging cards, which would be eerie because that's such a specific sound. But that makes sense with the gambling, though. Exactly, yeah. That makes so much sense to me. But it's just weird. It's like, like hearing a coin or something hit the floor. It's so specific that you know exactly what it is. And then to be like, no one's played cards in here in a really long time. Yes, I think you might be overreacting a little bit on that one. Who, me? Never. Never, I know, right? <laughs> You're crazy. She would never do such a thing. People hear footsteps, tapping on everything, walls, floors. They also hear thumps, bumps. They hear, and this was on Ghost Hunters, they heard multiple times, very clearly, what sounded like a heavy ball bouncing and then rolling across the floor. I immediately thought of like a, like a, a pool ball, but I don't think they had those back then. I don't know. There were no reports on a billiard table being in here ever, but. I'm just confused. Oh, pool. Okay. Sorry. You said Were you thinking ball. of like an inflatable? I was thinking like a beach like ball. A beach ball. Like, <laughs> where did this beach ball come from? <laughs> this is us as people. Bryce is always happy sunshine and water and I'm <laughs> I guess I'm a pool hall broad. I, just, I don't know. Well that's just what my brain went to was like why the hell is there like a beach ball? Like this doesn't make sense and then it what do you mean you hear a beach ball bouncing across the floor? <laughs> I'm like, do beach balls really roll? And what does a rolling beach ball sound like? Like, I guess you hear the little, like, patoo, patoo, patoo of it bouncing. <laughs> it's like, who is playing freaking volleyball or playing with this beach ball in this hallway? This is not the appropriate time or place. Um, people also report hearing things fall, but then nothing's there. So they'll hear something fall on the ground. They'll go over there and look and they just can't find anything. And then finally, there's a piano that plays by itself. Nope. Absolutely not. A worker once walked up to it and she said she was trying to figure out how it was playing and if that's where the music was actually coming from. And when she realized it was, she started walking towards this piano. But as she approached it, the sound faded away. It didn't even stop. It just faded Nope, we're done with that one right mm -hmm. here and now. And the last thing I have on here, I just wanted to shout out. Okay, so you can watch Ghost Hunters. This episode, just literally the Birdcage Theaters, like season three, episode something. I don't know. But you can watch the Ghost Hunters episode on YouTube. The whole thing oh. is great. They got a really sick EVP of two guys just talking. Uh, I think they were talking about like a a mermaid that they have on display there, quote unquote mermaid that they had on display. But as they're talking, you can hear like old timey music playing in the background and like loudness, like it's a like it's just a bumping, I don't know, brothel and theater. Bumping, it's bumping. It's, it's a bumping brothel. Is, did I just age myself again? Well, I'm bumping. They're bumping is, something. It was lit. <laughs> it was something. That's all we know. But that one was, that was a crazy EVP. And I try not to tell like everything that happens in their shows. 
because uh, otherwise, why would you watch it? But if you have no other reason, go watch it for that one, because it was wild. I'll think about it. I'll consider it. I don't know if I want to or not, you know? Well, that's all I have until I force my husband to go to Tombstone, <laughs> Arizona with me. Oh, I'm going to have to tell him that you're going to touch the hearse. I'm going to touch the hearse. I'm going to touch the Black Mariah. God, where's my phone? Hold on. If Amanda convinces you to go to... Hold on, let me find Snapchat. Tucson. Tell them Tucson. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for listening to Helen Hills Podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Helen Hills Podcast, Twitter, Helen Hills Potter, Facebook by searching Helen Hills Podcast. You can also find us on Linktree by typing in Helen Hills Podcast Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or words of encouragement, please email us at HelenHillsPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends uh, to listen with you as well. This has been Helen Hills Podcast. Bye! Bye! Bye!